It's good to see you guys this morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we are continuing in our series called More. Thank you, son. Um, we are going to be going to the book of Galatians. Actually, we're going to Proverbs first, and then we're going to Galatians. So if you've um, getting just a little bit of a ring, uh, maybe pull that back. Um, Proverbs chapter 17 is where we're going to go to first. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, we'll get there in just a second. Now, we've been in this series called More, and we have been talking about the idea that we believe that God has made us for more, that God has made us for more than just um, anger. God has made us for more than depression. God has made us for more than to be down. God has made us for more than to just be stepped on by life and by the enemy. God has made us for more. God has made us to be more gracious. God has made us to be more generous. God has made us to be a vessel to have more of his spirit inside of us. And that's what we talked about last week. We want more of God's spirit in our lives that we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being produced in us so that the Holy Spirit can also produce gifts in us and those gifts get used in a chance to show kindness, to show love, to show grace, to change the world, to bring the message of Jesus to this world. And so that's what we believe. That's what we've been talking about. We're going to continue in that same thought pattern today with this idea of more. We believe that we have been made for more. Now, in 1917, there was a guy, he was a, a, a newspaper journalist, um, uh, his name was H.L. Mencken, and he wrote an article entitled A Neglected Anniversary. And he wrote this article uh, commemorating the 75th anniversary of the modern bathtub. And so he's writing in this article, and in this article he goes on and he provides a, a variety of facts about the tub and stated that it had been invented in Cincinnati, any people, anybody from Ohio, Cincinnati folks? Okay, there you go. Uh, that Millard Fillmore, anybody remember President Millard Fillmore? Okay, some of us remember that name from history. Was the first president to put one into the White House in 1851. Mencken even reported that taking baths once was outlawed in certain parts of the U.S. because doctors considered them hazardous to people's health. Yeah. Now, what nobody knew was that this article was fake, that his information was fake. And what it was was an experiment to see just how gullible the American people would be. And so what he found out was that they are very gullible, and we're still gullible, right? And so we see that in this, in this story, it wasn't until 1926 that uh, it came out that the article was uh, was fake, but what happened was that other newspapers began to still pick up the article and run it as if it was true, uh, even after H.L. Mencken came out and said, hey, listen, it's fake. It was just a ploy to kind of see how gullible the American people would be if they would believe this. And so uh, newspapers and, and magazines continued to pick it up and still continued to run the article. Now, there's a lot of fakes today, and some people like to fake happiness. Anybody ever seen fake happiness? Can you spot a happy fake, right? 
Have you ever seen people fake happiness? And maybe somebody has said, fake it till you make it, right? Maybe I'm not happy, so I'm going to fake it until I make it, you know. But I believe there's something that God has for us that's better, right? Because once again, I believe that we were made for more. Uh, but there's a proverb, Proverb 17.22. Proverb 17.22, and this is what it says. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine. I mean, like you like the good medicine of a joyful heart, right? But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And there are things sometimes that will absolutely steal your happiness. There are things sometimes that will absolutely try to derail you on the emotion side of things. They'll try to derail you on the spiritual side of life and derail your relationships And so sometimes we have these things that cut in, and instead of having a joyful heart, we wind up with uh, dried up bones. And so I want to give you real quick, these are some things that, uh, that, uh, well, I believe that, that joy, when it says a joyful heart, these are things that can exist in a joyful life. These are things that are at odds with a joyful life. So when you have a joyful heart, uh, it's, it's hard to have these other things in your life. The first thing that we find is this, is ambition is one thing that is difficult to coexist with a joyful heart. Why is that? You say, well, ambition's not a bad thing because you want people to, you know, that you want people to be proactive. You want people to be motivated uh, in their life to uh, do well in school and do well in their career. But this is the thing about ambition is this. Ambition, it's always seeking greatness, right? And, and if you're ambitious, you're seeking greatness. You're seeking the next greatest thing. You're seeking that next level. And, and you know what? The thing about ambition is this, is, is that even when that next level is found and even when that next greatest thing is found, you're never satisfied. Because ambition pushes you to say, well, this is not enough. Ambition pushes you to say, well, I just, I just, I just, this is, this is, this is not enough for me. So always seeking greatness, but even when it is found, it is never enough. Ambition cramps the style of a joyful heart. The second thing that we find is this, is perfectionism. Anybody, you know, some perfectionists? You know, some of you won't even raise your hand that, because you want to say, you know, I want to raise it in the most perfect way I can, right? You know, put my hand down, let's do it again, right? Let's, we're going to get it right this time. Perfectionism. Perfectionism is difficult to coexist with a joyful heart. And the reason is this, much like ambition, perfectionism seeks greatness, but instead, uh, instead we never seem to measure up. Whereas in ambition, the next level never satisfies us. With perfectionism, we never can satisfy ourselves. Because we always believe, I, got, I could do it better next time. I can do it better. I can, I can have it. I can, man, I just, I miss, mm, I, can, I think it can be better. And so we drive and we drive and we drive. And it makes it difficult for perfectionism and joy to coexist in the same life. So ambition, perfectionism. The third thing that we find is this, bitterness. Bitterness is difficult to coexist with a joyful heart. Bitterness is difficult to coexist in a joyful life. We not only hate what someone did to us, we begin to hate that person too. That's what bitterness does. We not only hate what they said and what they did, we begin to actually hate that person. 
We can then begin to hate ourselves for even allowing it to happen in the first place because bitterness touches everything. It just makes us hate everything. Them, what they did to us, and it makes us hate ourselves. That's what bitterness does. And bitterness and a, it cannot coexist in a joyful heart. They, they don't line up. They don't match up. So bitterness, perfectionism, ambition, the fourth thing I, I want to tell you is, is guilt and shame cannot coexist in a joyful heart. They are forever the scorekeeper, right? You ever keep score? Well, I'm, I, maybe I don't say anything, but I'm keeping score. Just making that little tally mark. This, this one demerit against you, right? You know, guilt and shame are always keeping score. They are forever the scorekeeper, never letting you see how, never letting you uh, forget, never letting you find freedom. They always want you to see how you didn't and still don't measure up. That's what guilt and shame do. And, and they can't coexist in a joyful heart, in a joyful life. What it does is it crushes the spirit and dries up the bones. That's what guilt and shame does. It's the, it's the exact opposite type of life that God wants for us. And the last thing, the last one is this, is envy. Envy is ugly. Let's just say that together. Envy is ugly. Envy is ugly. Envy is ugly, guys. This is what envy does. Envy makes us hate because we don't have something that someone else has. Right? Oh, they've got, well, I wish I had that. I wish I had that opportunity. I wish I had. You say, well, that just sounds like jealousy. This is what happens with envy. It's even worse than jealousy. You can be jealous that somebody else had something, but what envy does is it takes it a step beyond that. Envy hates that, that, uh, that they have it and you don't, and you don't even want them to enjoy it, right? Maybe they have a great marriage and you don't, and you don't even want them to have the great marriage because you're jealous of that, and so envy begins to rot the inside, and it's like, well, I want them to have a bad marriage now, and that's what envy does and it cannot coexist in a joyful heart and and that's what i want to talk about this morning is i believe that god is calling us and has equipped us and has shaped us and formed us to be a vessel to have more joy in our life amen, amen. i believe that god has created us for more when i say when god has created us for more not in the sense that we're ambitious and, and, and you know, we're, but he's in the sense that we want more joy. God, you have created us to be a vessel to be more joyful. This world needs that type of life. Amen. This world needs more joy. There's enough anger to go around. There's enough hostility to go around. There's enough disagreements to go around. There's enough violence to go around. And so what we need is more lives who are impressed and impacted by the joy of the Lord. Because that's what Nehemiah said, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so that's what I want us to look at just for the next few minutes. And I want to just kind of draw a contrast because joy and happiness are not the same thing. You can fake happiness, right? You, ha you can fake happiness. You can put on the smile and come in and say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. You know, we don't shake hands anymore, so we're bumping fists or giving like the chicken wing, you know, connect, you know, doing the air hug. Oh, so good to see you. We can fake happiness. 
Man, things are great. Yeah, we've got on our mask, our church mask. Everything's awesome. You know, happiness can be faked. And this is how happiness, happiness, happiness is this. Happiness is a feeling that is controlled by our happenings, right? Because just as soon as our happenings turn and start going downhill, so does our happiness. Our happiness is connected to our happenings. So our happiness is connected to everything external, and what happens externally begins to affect us internally. Those things that begin to happen around us, when the things begin to fall apart, you know, I had a pastor, uh, I saw he posted something last night. He said, he said, pray for your pastors on Saturday. He's like, because they, they go undergo a lot of spiritual warfare, planning for, for the next day and preparing for the next day. I said, man, I, I, yeah, I gave him a little fist bump on that one. I said, yeah, I believe that, you know. I believe there's a lot of things on Saturday that try to steal my joy, right? They try to steal my happiness. And, and, and sometimes I let the events of the day do. They, they take an effect on my happiness but happiness is different than joy because happiness is connected with your happenings and happiness can be faked you have the right to pursue happiness but that doesn't mean you'll get what you want all right so but this is the difference between happiness and joy if happiness can be faked and happiness is connected with your happenings what's the difference with joy joy is this joy is a choice Joy is a choice. I get to choose joy. Well, I don't feel very joyful right now. Well, I'm going to choose it. I'm going to choose you. There have been plenty of times that my happiness has been affected by my happenings. And so it has gone out the window with my happenings. It has taken leave of me. But I've had to choose joy. And this is, this is how, what joy looks like. Joy is a choice. You can't fake fruit and you can't fake joy. Galatians, I want us to kind of pick up where we st- left off last week. We talked about this last week. We talked about more of God's spirit and having a spirit-filled life. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, this is what it says. But the fruit of the spirit is love and what? Joy. But the fruit of the spirit is love and then joy. It's the second in the list. Now, I don't know if this list is by greatest to least or by which one just begins to get produced first. I actually probably think it's that, that it's probably what's produced first. If you think about it in the sense of fruit, fruit is produce. And so you could say the produce of the Spirit, the products of the Spirit, what the Spirit pushes out in your life and the result of the Spirit life in you is love because that we got to start there because what god is love the bible tells us that so we could start there with that but then you get to number two and it says if the fruit of the spirit is love that gets produced in you then what should result next is joy he said well what if everything around you is falling apart it's okay because you got god's love which can produce god's joy in you and you get to choose to participate in that Amen? You get a chance to choose to participate in what God wants to do in your life. Now, you can say, I don't want any of that. Now, nobody, we don't ever say that, but we act like that, right? Our actions. There have been plenty of times that my actions have dictated my attitude. 
Uh, I'll just, oh, yeah. or my attitude has dictated my actions, right? I've chosen to be in a bad mood. I've chosen to choose to be angry. I've chosen, you know, to choose something less than joy because of what's happening. And so when I look and I see that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, fruit can't be faked. You can't fake joy. Joy is a choice, and some days I choose poorly. Amen? Joy is a choice, and some days I choose poorly. There's a, uh, a lady who wrote a book, and it's called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. I recommend this book. Uh, the lady who wrote this book, her name is Kay Warren, and maybe you've heard of her husband, Rick Warren. Rick Warren is a pastor of Saddleback uh, Church out in California, and maybe you've got Purpose Driven Life in, in, your, uh, in your library or on your shelf. Uh, Kay Warren is Rick Warren's uh, wife, and so Kay, she wrote this, this book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. Get this. This is what she said. This is, this is a quote from her book. Joy is settled conviction about God. It's quiet confidence in God, and joy is a determined choice to give my praise to God. I want you to get that. Joy is settled conviction about God. Joy says this. It says, I know who my God is. I know how big my God is. I know what my God can do. And so in my life, my heart lives by a conviction that no matter what comes against me, no giants that we face, just like the song that we sang just a little while ago, no giants that we face, uh-uh, it's not bigger than my God. My God is able to stand against that. And so my conviction is that my God is bigger, and I can have joy about that conviction. Joy is a settled conviction about God. It is a quiet confidence in God. That way, you know, when things begin to fall apart, you can begin to walk and say, my God, I'm believing in him. My God, I'm trusting in him. I know that God's going to take care of this. I know that God's got this. I know that even when you get a bad call from the doctor, God, it's all right because I believe that my confidence is in you. And so it is a quiet confidence in God. And joy is determined, is a determined choice to give my praise to God. So, so once you begin to take this in and live this out, then you begin to say, I'm going to give God praise. I know it looks bad, but I'm going to give God praise anyways. God, I know that they're telling me bad news right now, but God, I am going to give you praise right now because my confidence in you, God, everything that I am, my conviction about you is true, Lord. It's, it, my confidence is in you, God, so I'm going to give you praise. Joy is a choice. Joy isn't forced. Can't force it. I know we like to try sometimes. Just put on that face, you know. Joy is a choice. It can't be forced. Joy is cultivated in relationship. Joy is cultivated in relationship. What does this look like? If joy is cultivated in a relationship, what, what, what does that look like? It's cultivated in personal relationships with people who encourage us, for one thing. What relationships? The relationships that we're encouraged by, by people. We're encouraged through these personal relationships. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Can you go there? 1 Thessalonians 1. It says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. Uh, church at Thessalonica and he says but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person not in heart 
although I wasn't with you physically. You know what? Some of us, we've been experiencing that over the last eight, eight months, right? We have not been able to be in person with people that we love, maybe. And so we're not away from them in heart, but maybe we're away from them in person. And for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Praise God. I, I love that. I want to see people face to face. You know what? That screen time thing is awesome. You know, that face, face, FaceTime thing is great. But I like seeing people face to face, right? Because I can't hug my iPhone. I can, but it just doesn't hug me back, right? All right. So I like seeing people face to face. And so hey, this is kind of what Paul's getting at is with great desire to see you face to face. Next verse. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. It sound like anybody's life? Anybody had Satan try to hinder you over and over and over? Next verse. For what is our hope or our joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? See, what he's saying right here is it. For you are our glory and our joy. Some people in your life, you know what? You got to look at them and say, you're my joy. I know your name might be Bill or Bob or Sue or Kim or whatever it is, but I'm going to rename you Joy, a.k.a. You are Sue, a.k.a. Joy, because you bring joy to my life. The Word of God says that there are people in your life who can bring you joy. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, who, who is our joy? Joy has a name, and it may not actually be joy. It may be whoever that person is that brings joy to your life. And so joy is cultivated in personal relationships personal relationships that we knew with we, we have with with people around us but most importantly the personal relationship with jesus christ jesus fuels our joy jesus fuels our joy now i don't know about you but i used to drive um an, an ice truck and, and it, i didn't say nice truck i said ice truck an ice truck was a big Ford F3 Super Duty that had a big box on the back of it that was refrigerated, and I would bag ice, and I would stack that box full of ice, and I would go to all these little zippy marts, all these little Parker's gas stations, all these little uh, service stations, and I would be the guy, those little white boxes outside that had the ice, I was the guy that filled it up. That was my job. It was the coolest job I ever had. I know, thanks guys, I appreciate it. No, but this job, this job, this job. Uh, we had these trucks, and these trucks, we, we ragged them out. And we had, well, most of our trucks were, were gasoline jobs, but we had one diesel. And that one diesel can only run on diesel. Because if you ever pull up to the gas station and you grab the wrong pump and you put gasoline in that diesel engine, you're not going to get very far down that road, right? Because that diesel engine is only fueled by diesel fuel, right? Your life is fueled by Jesus. Our joy is fueled by Jesus. It can't run on anything else because after a while, we'll just run out of gas. After a while, it, it, our, our life wasn't made to live off of that, but our life was made to live off of what is fueled by Jesus, our life in Christ. Jesus fuels our joy. Joy isn't forced, but it's cultivated in relationship, in personal relationship. And the last thing is this. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. The last thing is this. 
It's not only cultivated in personal relationship, but it's cultivated in perspective. It's cultivated in perspective. Our joy is cultivated in the perspective. What is perspective? The perspective that is always looking through the eyes of Jesus. See, when I look through my eyes, I get angry, I get mad, I get upset. When I hear through my ears, I get angry, I get mad, I get upset. I pitch fits, I kick stuff, you know, and, and I just, ah, because I get angry, I get mad, I get upset because I'm listening through my ears and I'm looking through my eyes. When I look through Ryan's perspective, I'm affected by my happenings. When I look through Jesus' eyes, though, I get a different perspective. I get a God's perspective of things. When I look through the eyes of Jesus and and I see things more clearly, that person that is just irritating me to no end, I don't see them as the irritation. I start seeing them, all right, Jesus, help me to see this person with your eyes. The Bible reminds us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against everything that works beyond that, that works behind that. The power that works behind that. So, you know what? My fight is really not with you. And if I get a perspective of Jesus, if I get a perspective of Jesus, that'll keep you from stealing my joy. If I get a perspective of Jesus, because I really know that that's not really you. It's not really you. It's what's behind you. And my God's already conquered that. The perspective I have when I look through the eyes of Jesus, I see much more clearly and I see at a greater distance. See, when I'm angry and when I'm upset and when I'm depressed, I'm only seeing short term. I've done this before. This is your problem. This paper is your problem. That's right there in front of you. That's all I can see. That's all I've got. That's my perspective. When I get God's perspective, my problems begin to get at a distance. I step back and I begin to say, oh, that problem's still there, but it's smaller than what it used to be. It's a lot smaller than what it used to be because I see everything else that God is doing and God can do and what God wants to do. And I see a lot farther down the road. So this morning, this is it. I want you to stand with me. Because if we believe that joy is a choice, I want us to make a choice this morning. If you believe that joy is a choice, I want us to choose joy today. Who would do that? Who wants to choose joy today? I do. I've chosen poorly too many times. I've made the wrong choice too many times. Today I want to choose joy. Today, when I walk out this door, if whatever that turkey is that I've been cooking all day long and I drop it on the floor, I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to pick that turkey up. I may try to rinse it off. <laughs> it's still good, guys. Five-second rule, all right? I'm going to choose joy. We're going to choose joy. We get a choice in this. Can we sing this together? Let's sing this together. with joy there's just something about his name only one that i worship only one i adore 
Can you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Amen. 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 I want to pray and then we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna dismiss you and listen, thank you.